Welcome to One Action, a podcast by PepsiCo where we highlight contributors to the sustainable food system across the region. I'm Rona Halabi. I'm joined today by His Excellency Dr. Nasser Yassin, who is currently the Minister of Environment in Lebanon. We started by talking about the role of environmental governance as a key driver for sustainable development. The issue of environmental governance is the, um, the most significant um, aspect of the work that we've been doing in, in, in uh, the Ministry of Environment. Uh, because, you know, technical solutions are not missing. Policies and programs are also in the making. Some of them are quite good in terms of laws and decrees and regulatory frameworks. But implementing those environmental policies, laws, different acts and regulations require the proper you know, setup of strong institutions and the ability to enforce them. And that's been the challenge in Lebanon, perhaps in other parts of the world. That's why we need to have an independent environmental, uh, you know, uh, district attorneys, if we can call it, or uh, or special branch in the judiciary for environmental crimes that's purely and fully dedicated for those types of crimes. And and that's something we we're been highlighting, voicing, and working uh, towards it. But, you know, the political situation at the moment is delaying us, but that's something for a must in order to overcome the environmental challenges we have in Lebanon. We really need to have the proper governance of all those related sectors. And doctor, if we look at it the other way, how do you think protecting the environment can help the economy? The approach here, when we talk about a greener recovery, a more sustainable uh, recovery, it's to look into the return on investment. And that's something quite you know, interesting in the narrative around the environment and our approach to the environment. So we move from the romantic view around nature, which is very important, and I don't want to discount it whatsoever, in order to bring in an economic explanation or or part of the narrative to be on economic development so an economic development that's greener that's sustainable that's actually based on the proper management of our natural resources or the good management of our natural resources and we bring in some examples where the ministry of environment and its partners have shown some really great return on the investment Take, for example, nature reserves or protected areas. And those are areas that initially, you know, initially the approach towards nature reserves want to protect the biodiversity in those sites or those areas, which is fantastic. But it also brings a greater return on investment on ecotourism, sustainable agriculture, local economic activity that's connected to those nature reserves. And we've done a research on one of the perhaps the most uh, uh, um, established and the jewel of the, the crown of our nature reserves in the Shuf biosphere, which is the biggest as well. And each dollar invested in the right protection of this nature reserve, it will bring us $19 as a return. Given the situation in the country, the environment might not be a top priority. How do you manage to 
keep that as a priority and, you know, like give it this sense of urgency that it needs? Well, it's not a priority as it might seem if you look at it in a romantic way. If you look at it like, uh, in, in I'm, I'm using romantic in a very general sense, but if you um, position the environment and what's related to the environment, the sectors, land use, uh, water resources and proper and good management of them with air pollution, solid waste, those become essential for public health, for food security, and for, you know, everybody in the country. So you need to position it in, in this aspect. You need to position it there as environment in the heart of those issues and sectors. Look at cholera, for example. I mean, Lebanon, after 35 years or so of eradicating or having no cases of cholera, uh, we had cases last summer, an outbreak in different parts of Lebanon. And that's a sign of the an environmental crisis or issue because water has been polluted. There's no proper management or good management of our water resources. Most rivers are like this and so on and so forth. And it's not a problem in, directly in, in under the responsibility of the Ministry of Environment, but it's definitely by the... Uh, um, uh, the way that the, the water resources have been managed for the past few years, it led to cholera. So you need to step back and look at these at environmental crises. And that's one issue, air pollution, solid waste, others and others. And secondly, we need to put the environment at the heart of the recovery. That's something we mentioned uh, uh, briefly uh, um, now, but uh, that's something we need to always remind policymakers, public sector, private sector, and and investors, if we want to move in a proper transition towards a sustainable path in the country at all levels, we need to keep the environment at the heart of it. Definitely. So you work on these two streams, one that's more of the urgency of it, and the other is about the recovery pathway that we we have to work towards to make it more sustainable. How do you feel the impact of the work that you are doing? Do you see a change in, in behaviors? Do people come and tell you that, you know, they're excited to change something in the way they do things? Or even on, on the bigger policies, um, how can you measure that impact? And I visited almost all parts of Lebanon, all communities. I, I did a lot of community visit discussions, dialogue, and so on. And wherever I go... And it's not only this official visit here. It's where I go, stay, we do dialogue, we do discussion workshops from the south to, to from Hasbaya to, to uh, Bayet and, uh, and Akrum in, in Akkar and, of course, east and west. People are more and more aware of the importance of the environment and the ecology and sustainability. Uh, of course, uh, you need to guide them and you need to show that uh, we can protect and manage our environment and our resources. And that's still challenging in some parts of the country. Mm. But I'll give you two examples. You know, When it comes to nature reserves, people are so connected to those nature reserves. And they always ask me, want to have a nature reserve or protected area in our community. Wherever I go, even if it doesn't apply, quote-unquote, 
for the protection of the biodiversity. There is no uniqueness of the biodiversity, but people are more conscious and they have this drive towards having a protected area in their in their community, and that's that's quite great. And secondly, with the economic crisis, we've seen a lot of illegal cutting of trees in the country, and hundreds of calls and messages I get from community members who care about the forest and uh, the, the green areas and ways to uh, protect them and prevent the illegal cutting that's happening in some parts of the country. And these are two signs, of course. These are two signs. I'm not saying these are two anecdotes, but but they tell a lot about people's connectedness to the environment. And you need to bring this across the recycling movement, across protecting our water uh, basins and, and river basins, uh, bring it also to the, the protection of our land use and to prevent some of the way, whether it's illegal quarries or uh, the way that some of, uh, you know, uh, treatment of lands and so on. And I don't see across the board and almost in all communities in Lebanon, any opposition towards having an investment in the environment or management of the environment and these are all positive signs but we need to you know enforce laws regulations make policies implemented work with local authorities in this proper management of the environment and its resources and that's what we need to have the administration at the moment is not its best form the public sector is not in its best form but we cannot and we shouldn't actually, you know, surrender to the situation and the crisis. And we need to keep going and we need to keep pushing. When we come back, we'll talk with Dr. Yassin about how they're looking to support the youth and entrepreneurs to find solutions to our environmental challenges. Welcome back. I'm Rona Halabi and you're listening to One Action with our guest, His Excellency Dr. Nasser Yassin. Doctor, in your capacity as a Minister of Environment, uh, you are in touch with a lot of different actors working on, on this file specifically in the country, but you're also in touch with students at university. And I'm wondering if you feel like there is more and more awareness about uh, the environment, preserving the environment, climate change. We see uh, a significant increase in the past couple of years particularly on climate change. You know, uh, I remember even when I uh, uh, joined the government uh, a year and a half ago, and we had at that time the uh, COP26 in Glasgow, uh, some of the comments were, are you going to save the world, but uh, you need to save the country from the basics, which is true. It's a very legitimate uh, uh, you know, ask people are saying, uh, let's let's clean our our streets and stop air pollution before you go and save the planet. But last year, the other COP I <laughs> I attended in Sharm Sheikh, I noticed uh, more uh, more nuanced discussion in social media and the public sphere when it comes to climate change. I think people 
have started to feel that this is something that's going to affect us, be it in through the narrative that we've been saying in the Ministry of Environment, but also what people witnessed everywhere in Europe and the Middle East and other parts of the world with these extreme weather events. And among the youth, uh, there is a, a, a rise in, in, in such engagement, particularly among high school students, university students. We need to do more. I'm not saying this is enough. We need to do more. That's why this year I'm going to launch the Youth Ambassadors uh, campaign or project on climate change. So climate change, youth ambassadors, particularly from, from universities and colleges in, in the country. And uh, last year, in the last COP in Sharm el-Sheikh, we included a youth representative in the official uh, delegation. And uh, he was sitting with us on the table, looking into uh, all the negotiation discussions. And next year, we're going to even make this as a feature and work with those young and climate change youth ambassadors from across the universities and colleges in the country. We see a lot happening in, in on the Lebanese scene in terms of, you know, small projects, entrepreneurs, uh, young people looking to find solutions uh, for specifically for uh, waste management in the country. Um, how do you feel that that scene is going? Because we see you taking a part of many of these projects. You are there supporting uh, the, the, these young people in their endeavor to find solutions. What's the scene like now? And how do you think the youth can engage even more in finding solutions? In, in the past few months, I, I got to know a really fantastic group of young entrepreneurs uh, working on waste diversion and uh, that was really an eye-opener their ideas uh, their enthusiasm um, their drive towards uh, having positive impact on society and the environment and of course uh, it was uh, a no-brainer to work together with with this group or this uh, members of this group so we formed a task force on waste diversion and 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 really the, the the idea here we want to cut this binary between government and non-government uh, government and private sector government and civil society i think it's always about working together uh, and particularly in these times in lebanon you need to look into those assets in society and work with them and through them and push them further, support them, facilitate whatever it takes, or even just encourage them. And that's been my my approach uh, for the past few months. And I know uh, some might think like, uh, what the, what's the role of government in all of this? No, our role is quite significant. We're still in the regulatory body and we have the regulatory power in those sectors and we're working with big donors and investors and financiers like the world bank and others but also want to work with the startups in order to really challenge this sector and bring in those good ideas and innovative ideas into the scene and it's been successful um opening uh, drop-off centers working on technology for the marketplace of recyclables uh, raising awareness and so on and so forth and we want to do more our plan for 2023 is to divert from landfills or even open dumps 
uh, around 10 to 15 percent of the recyclables uh, that's going to the landfill that to go into those drop-off centers and uh, of course towards recycling and reuse uh, with those startups with um, international uh, uh, foundations like the world bank undp and others with uh, the ministry's drive towards really implementing a program and implementing the right policies for encouraging recycling and reduction and so on, we're bringing a good formula. And doctor, of course, you already know that uh, PepsiCo is supporting several of these startups like Nadira, Live Love Recycle, uh, Lebanon Waste Management. But I'm wondering, what do you think of the role of the um, private companies like PepsiCo, what can they do really to support further the efforts uh, that are taking place? There's a big role because um, big companies uh, like PepsiCo and uh, their, you know, sisters, um, whether in, in um, beverage market or water market or, or, or others, uh, they produce waste. And they have this responsibility as producers to really uh, work towards uh, good and towards the um, applying all the measures for sustainability and for the measures for recycling uh, of those those products. And I think PepsiCo is one of the leading uh, multinationals to put in a target to recycle or its pet i think uh, and that's a very ambitious target but it's doable i think i'll just give you an example with lebanon waste management um, whom you're supporting whom we are supporting we managed in the last few months to collect tons of plastic of course from the drop-off centers from working with municipalities with some other groups across the country in this waste diversion task force i, I mentioned and two containers were shipped last week for a recycler and uh, to be uh, remanufactured in in uh, in, uh, in Europe. And those only two containers from one startup made 280 million plastic bottles. 280 million. That's one only one outlet that collected also from other municipalities. But you can imagine, and that's a small country like Lebanon, you can imagine the millions and millions of plastic bottles that need to be recycled, that need to be remanufactured. And that should be our target. I think plastic is a versatile product that's quite useful, but we need to manage it in this sustainable manner. Definitely. And to our listeners in, uh, in Lebanon, what do you think, what would be your advice on how they can be more involved uh, in the path to protecting our environment? You know, the, the, what I mentioned, investment in the environment is something that we will feel directly and instantly, starting from recycling at home, in the office or at school, but also this is an investment for the future. And that's how we need to say it. It's this interplay between the instant return that we need and we can get if we invest in our in protecting our environment and of course the the return that will that will come to the future generation our children and grandchildren and that's how we need to see it and the short and in the longer term
Thank you for joining us today. One Action is brought to you by PepsiCo and is hosted by me, Rona Halabi. We're produced by Murad Ben Ayed, May Barber, Maria Bari, and Shirak Desai with support from Natalie Hatoum. See you next week.